Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 107. This week, we talk with Matt Heidinger about Action Center in the Cloud. 10 great ways to impress a software engineer on their first day. And how to use IoT to find the drill sitting right in front of you. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics, providing tools and solutions to accelerate design, development, insights, and collaboration for any organization. This week we have Matt Heidinger. He's a program manager on the Windows Notifications team. Welcome, Matt. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I should say welcome back. Yes. Yeah, it was on a uh, a couple months ago now, maybe even six months. I don't remember. Yeah, we need like a we need a special award for for like repeat visitors. Ooh, that you know, I do need more uh, you know lanyards to hang on my my corkboard here. So that'd be cool. (laughs) That would be pretty cool. And Carl, are you standing? Yes, I am standing. A slightly different view here. Uh, okay. I think last episode we talked about that I was getting a, a standing desk desk from Uplift, mm-hmm. and uh, it is actually pretty amazing. Okay. I not only do I like the up down nature of it, motorized, but I have the advanced control, so I can have presets. So I just hit my stand button, oh, and nice. it goes to my standing setting. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, plus, when putting this together, the instructions were super easy. And the parts for this were just really high quality, actual screws and bolts, you know, unlike those really custom weird ones you get with like Ikea or worse knockoffs. Yeah. So yeah, this is just a really solid piece of bamboo desk. Okay. And yeah, it's, this thing is flawless. I'm so glad I got it. Okay. So make sure you include a link to that in the show notes again. Will do. And, uh, I'm recording from the old windows developer show. So, uh, they're, 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 uh, basically their podcast room here, which is awesome because uh, you won't hear my bo- my dog barking. So if you hear a dog barking, it's on Carl's end. <laughs> so yep. I'm all, almost moved out here, but thank you for uh, for Travis for uh, for le- setting up this room and letting me use it. This is really <laughs> awesome. Although I haven't quite figured everything out, so I'm using two mics. Uh, just don't ask. It's, <laughs> it's complicated. Okay, so let's get to it. Uh, so who do we have for the ultimate, I mean, for just ultimate winner of the week? Uh, this week for commenting on our website in the comments section is Brett Slasky. Uh, he commented a few times on the uh, VSTS episode with Donovan Brown. Okay. And uh, uh, his first comment was that when he was managing a team, one of his favorite parts is that uh, he wouldn't be tired at all of coding during the day. So he could go home and uh, bust out a few hours of coding afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and then he had a few questions about how to get like when uh, in VSTS, when you have a build, uh, in GitHub, you can show the badges of when it's complete. He wanted he wanted to know if that was possible in VSTS as well. So I threw that out to Donovan Brown, and he immediately got back with a screenshot showing how to do it. <laughs> it's just a checkbox, badge enabled. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, that's easy enough. <laughs> Thank you, Donovan. So if you want to get mentioned on the show like Brett, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com. Comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher. We especially love those five-star iTunes reviews. And if you've won in the past and I did not get your email address, send it on to us. We need that email address to get you guys your licenses. Yep, absolutely. And, oh, I should also apologize because we, the the runner-ups for the um, for the swag bag, 
I have not shipped your gifts yet. <laughs> so uh, that's totally my fault. I'm in the middle of a move. You will get them. <laughs> just, you know, just hang on tight. And actually, that one guy's from Redmond, so maybe I'll just track him down and <laughs> give him a whole bunch of stuff. He can get more because I don't have to ship it. Uh, okay, so let's jump into the news. So what do we got here? Bing says 25% of all searches are voice searches. Is that true? Well, you know, this is the thing that I think a lot of us forget. Um, obviously, Cortana is powered by... Siri, so anytime uh, you use a Windows phone or the Windows desktop, Cortana uses that. But in addition, Siri and Alexa use Bing as well. So when you do a okay. voice search, they're hitting Bing as well. I got you. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, people forget that Bing powers so many other things. You know, they just think, hey, I'm, I'm going to use Google or Bing for our tech searches, but it's so much more than that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I did. I, I totally questioned the number until you explained it. So thank you for doing that. That makes sense. Okay, goodbye project.json. This one is sad. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> All right, you want to can you explain a little bit to us uh Matt because I I know you work yeah. a little bit more closely with this. Yeah, well, so since joining Windows, I haven't done as much ASP.NET, but that's yeah. where my my, you know, that's where I cut my teeth on .NET, so I I, I it's very near and dear to me. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, as far as I can tell, and this is my speculation, I'm not on that team, right? So I have the same info as everyone else. Um the project JSON was very akin to what modern development is like on other web stacks. They they have your project JSON that defines, you know, your dependencies and your packages and very node oriented, very NPM, you know, for package management to bring stuff in. And it's a lightweight file that, you know, you can just edit and then you, you run a lot of command line tools to restore your package and do the builds. Um, you know, to help developers, I think, get more accustomed. So if you have a node background or, or you know, just a, a different framework background and you move to ASP.NET, I think they wanted to make it a little easier and more familiar and a little more modern the, the way you develop it. Uh, unfortunately, we have this legacy, right, where we have csproj files, we have vbproj, and all, we have these project files, which does a lot of those same things. It def- determines your packages, your dependencies, your references. It goes back forever, right? MS Build has existed forever. So there's this kind of dichotomy between the two. And really, I think it was how far can we go to make it familiar for Node developers without making it super foreign to existing ASP.NET developers? And I think they also had like, you know, technical debt in that there was just two tool chains going on. You had MS Build yeah. doing the prod stuff and you had the project JSON. So I, I personally like the direction they're heading um, in the tooling. They're, they're getting closer to move, move things back into the project.json or sorry, sorry, into the CS proj. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're taking the good stuff out of the project JSON, which was that, you know, an annoying thing in, in web development on, on a lot of their stacks, there's no project file. It's just your folder. It's whatever's in your folder is, is part of your project. Um, and they want to take some of that. So the CS proj will have a way to include items versus, you know, be inclusive and then you exclude manually versus, uh, okay. you know, the way it's done now where every that, single that item the, has to be Because that was the feature that was sort yes. of represented in project.json for me. So as long as we have that, then I'm cool because the XML for, for doing merging and things like that, it was just, exactly oh, it just drove me crazy. It's the merging that was the issue. And and I would, and, and it, what's funny is half of developers be like, I never had issues merging. It's like, well, you're probably not actually merging it. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's a real problem. Like merging systems don't know how to merge the XML properly. They don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, I've heard a bunch of people suggest workarounds, even like, you know, if, yeah, if, if Visual Studio would just randomize where it added items instead of always putting them at the bottom. Because oh. then if two people add new files, that's where you get the merges right yeah. like you add a new file it goes on the bottom then i add one and 
you know, the merge doesn't know that these are two complete different yeah. things. If it put them in random order, it might make merging a little easier, but <laughs> that's just kind of a hack, right? So, yeah. um, so the, the cool thing is they're, they're, they're saying MS build is our technology. MS build is open source, which is nice. It's on GitHub. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're going to take a lot of the good stuff about Project JSON and keep it in the existing project structure, which okay. I, th I think is the way to go just to keep it, you know, we need one way to configure configure our, our application. Okay. Yeah, and I actually, sp I spoke to Scott Hunter yesterday and he mentioned something similar that there's a huge investment already in MS Build and for them to sort of reinvent that in the project at JSON, I think was going to be too, too daunting. You know, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, um, I mean, they get a ton of stuff for free by using MS Build. So, okay, yeah, exactly. you talk, you talk me down. I'm feeling all right. <laughs> as long as I can do the whole exclusions versus yes. inclusions, yeah, then yeah, I am happy yeah. because I, it just it always seems silly to have a file in the file system and then also in the project it's like, yep, there's a file in the file system. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they haven't announced how they're going to solve it, but I, I think they did say they'll have that figured out before RTM of the tooling. Okay. So the platform is going to RTM first, right. and then the tooling is going to come after that so that people can at least deploy their apps and kind yeah. of deal with the quirks of the tooling. So I think that was also a good call on their part. Okay. Well, very, very cool. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with it now. All right. <laughs> I'm sure some I've people done, are. I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Introducing unlimited private repositories. Okay. So this was GitHub announcing this. Uh, so this is, this is pretty cool. So the pricing, uh, personal $7 a month organization, $9 per user per month. Uh, what was, do you know what the old pricing was, Carl? I know that it was cost. It was pretty cost prohibitive. Yeah. I do not know because I went with a, a free alternative. I use Bitbucket for my private rep repositories and I use GitHub yeah. for all my public ones. So I kind of yeah. wasn't with this, but for people who do have private ones, this was a significant cost reduction for the personal accounts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had the the micro, which I think was $5.99 and it gave me five repositories, five private. Yeah. Um, so what I did to work around it, which I'm now, I, I got that email that unlimited private repositories. It was awesome. That was like such yeah. a cool, a cool thing. Um, I had, I put all my projects in one repository with sub repositories. <laughs> so I literally had one repository oh. called personal projects and then I had sub repositories for each individual project. And it oh. was kind of a pain, but I'm, I'm going to undo all that and, and, and separate them out now. It's going to be, pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, when I had looked at it, yeah, you're right. It was, it was like five ninety nine for five repos. I looked at it. I'm like, no, cause I, you know, I, I just don't want to have to worry about any kind of limit. Yeah, no, exactly. And what's yeah. amazing is they're going to get an extra dollar out of you every month, but I think yeah. you probably think it's worth it. Right. I absolutely do. Yeah. Like I, I, I had, I, so I, my, I'm spread across everything, right? I've had a, I, I was an MVP before, so I had MSDN for free and then now I have MSDN. So, you know, I get VSTS or VSO, you know what it's called. Yeah. So we have unlimited private repositories there. I have yep. a couple there. I have a couple in Bitbucket like Carl and you know, it's going to be really nice to consolidate all those just mm -hmm. for my own sanity. Yeah. VSTS has really, has really matured now. And I guess, I guess I would, I would suggest people take a look at that as well. Cause that is a great option. And, you know, we did yeah. just, we had Donovan Brown on and we were talking about the build system and it is just, it is really awesome now. I mean, the, the build system is amazing. Yeah. You I know, mean, a couple of years ago it was, yep. it was not good. Now it's yep. good. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I've been checking out the build system stuff. Uh, I, I love that, you know, this new world that we're in is so, um, it's so anti lock-in. 
Like yeah. everything we do, the VSTS, they'll pull from a from a VSO repository you have locally. They'll pull right from your GitHub repository yeah. to do the build. You know, with webhooks, they can do all that. So yeah, I'm gonna move completely to VSTS for my continuous integration and my source in GitHub. And I'm thinking it'll be you know a nice yeah nice setup. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Nest opens the networking code for its smart home devices. What was this about, Carl? So Nest has had a, a private way uh, that it's called its thread network okay. uh, and the protocol. And what they what that's allowed them to do is that's how they communicate. That's their standard. And they have private companies. I think there's like 30 different companies that have integrated with that. But what they're doing is they're open sourcing a version of that called OpenThread. And that's going to allow anybody to talk on that protocol. And really what that's kind of Google's hoping to be, because Google owns Nest, is that that's going to be kind of an IoT standard for communication. Okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna have to look into this because I'm curious uh, at what level they're operating. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I know there's a lot of people interested in IoT. So while I don't know a whole lot about this, uh, the details of this right now, uh, this gives a lot of people, you know, another thing to look into in that area because it's still pretty much up for grabs. Yeah. So, you know, I, I recently just bought a new house. Uh, we're not moved in yet, but we, um, I, I'm guessing there's, there's, you know, some crappy thermostat in there and I'm going to have to put something <laughs> good in. And honestly, Nest is like super expensive. So it's going to be, it's going to be something like this. That's going to put me over the edge. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to dive into this because I want to understand, like I said, what, what level they're operating at. Um, if they give you nice API for for understanding information off of there and and what else this will interface in with, because I know people, have, you know, other IoT systems have pretty good Nest support, which really you know, helps the, them. The thing about I so I haven't jumped into Nest. Um, I did actually recently buy uh, Smart Lock. I went with the Kivo one. Okay. Um, that was you know a, I really liked that purchase. Um, yeah. and it's cool because it's a standard Kivo lock, so it does have an analog you know, just key if you need. But, yeah. you know, the thing that's just so annoying with all these smart things is I've got my Philips Hue, I've got my Kivo system, you know, you have these things and every one of them needs these little hubs that you plug into your router. They, yeah. they all, and it's like, there's this proliferation of all these little little things and I'm hoping someone gets to that as well. So the APIs obviously need to be, you know, standardized and you, yeah. know, you have all these little things that are plugged like directly into your router and it's just, you know. Yeah, we, we've talked about this on the show before. Like it's just a big battleground. Everybody's trying to own it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really should promote, and I guess this is sort of self-serving, but we should really promote the companies that are that are not trying to do that. So mm-hmm. Microsoft is one of the ones where we're just saying, hey, we don't, we don't care what this you know, we really don't care what the standards are. We want to support everything and we want everybody mm-hmm. to get along because mm-hmm. it helps everybody. Yeah. And these companies yeah. that, that do have the one-offs like that, I mean, they're just, they're not, they're not really helping anybody. Plus I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm, I'm working on a, a new blog post. I'm not really ready to talk about yet, but you know, these, these companies that, um, you know, like this Kivo, you know, I don't know much about them, but I have a feeling that they are simply not equipped to build a secure product. Well, Kivo is an interesting one. Kivo, so Kivo is by Quickset, who's been making locks for like hundreds of years. So it'll be secure (laughs) in the physical sense. Yeah. uh, But in the technology sense, who knows? But then you have the opposite where you have these technology companies, you know, building a physical lock and you wonder like where the, so I don't know. I, I would be, I would be curious what kind of foundation they built their, their digital security on. And if they built it in house, that is, that's pretty terrifying to me. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think they did because when I go download the app, it's by a vendor. <laughs> so, okay. So, okay. Yeah. So we'll have to we'll have yeah. to look into that one. 
Yeah. At first it was weird because I'm like, is this even the app? Yeah. <laughs> and you, you so know, Carl, it's... I'll have to I'll have to send you the picture. I tweeted this. I was at Lowe's last night. And I did you see this? I, I, I tweeted a picture. They have an IoT drill. Oh yes, I saw that. <laughs> I like... was I it just I just stopped dead and 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 it I just don't get it. So <laughs> first of all, it's for <laughs> some of the features that they were advertising were the ability to find your tools using your smartphone. So I think you could like make your drill beep from your <laughs> smartphone. Uh, never nice. needed that. Um, okay, maybe there's somebody out there. You no, know, let if you're us super know. forgetful. Stick a tile on it or whatever <laughs> yeah. those things are that like yeah, they, yeah. they find uh, anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that was interesting. Plus the batteries on all of their tools. I don't remember the brand had a USB port on them so wow. that you could nice. charge your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I am not making this up. Jeez. So. So I'm trying to think of like who this person is, right? So they're like doing some homework, you know, they're like drilling, you know, they're installing a new door. So they're drilling some holes in the wall or whatever. And they're like, shoot, my phone's almost dead. <laughs> I must yeah. now charge from my drill battery. <laughs> I I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. I, I, well, there's I like so many things in the picture that you put off. It also had like uh like a stereotypical woman with gloves and like nerd glasses. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's IOT drill. And, the drill and, and, and she's not very smart because the drill's sitting in front of her and she's using the phone to find it. <laughs> so when you, when you just said stereotypical, I thought you were going to stop at stereo. And I was like, oh, it's got like a headphone jack. <laughs> so like I can put my music on my drill and then just drill while I'm listening to my music. <laughs> oh man. I'm just imagining hipsters yeah. now with like, yeah. <laughs> with like the drill, like in a holster and like exactly. the headphones plugged into oh my it. Dude. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know which part. I don't know where you moved in around here, but if yeah. it was around Capitol Hill, we might see something like yeah, that. Yeah, I I only listen, you know, on on my Beats headphones, you know, with, yes, with my, my with my drill. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Stack Overkill language rating. So I did say that right. It's not Stack Overflow. It's Stack Overkill. Uh, so explain this to me. Is this just showing the the number of questions asked in each language? I. That's what I'm getting. Yes. Okay. At least for that time frame for that month or or whatever that is cuz it does show some of them going down as well. So it's not overall. Yeah. So now I'm colorblind, so the colors are not helpful to me at all and I actually heard many people complaining about it, but the ranking if you hover over it it shows uh JavaScript has the big lead, then there's Java, then C sharp. Um and it kind of shows language popularity over time. So I don't know if there's Anything interesting you gleaned out of this, Carl? So um, the biggest thing that like, I find interesting yeah. is when you compare this to like the Tyobi numbers, because that one like shows like Java is like used like, right. it's got like 25 or 30% usage and like everything else is like max like 10 or 12%. Yeah. Is Tyobi based on like search engines for the most part or? I don't I remember it, what it was. I thought it used to be. It was like the amount mm -hmm. of queries that are happening over this which topic. none of these metrics are really that useful i mean other yeah. than maybe sort of uh, well the the fact that they're different <laughs> it tell, tells yeah. us something interesting i mean does this mean that you know since there's more questions on javascript does that just mean that, that you know it's harder can, yeah it's harder people are <laughs> yeah. confused I, I don't know i mean java has been around longer than javascript um and so in and it's typically using like enterprise scenarios so maybe they just you know they don't need that resource as much maybe they have books I don't know. I'm not sure what to get out of this. No, but yeah. I, you know, there's a the couple other things other than the difference from there is like when you look at some of the hipster languages, really, and you know, I consider like Go, you know, one of those hipster languages, and you, you see that's pretty much just flatline and really not going anywhere. So what? Well, I hear a lot about that, like on the Twitter sphere and other places, 
it's not really, you know, being used on Stack Overflow or questions being asked. But the other thing that's interesting is just seeing how how Swift has moved up the charts and Objective-C is starting to drop. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the iOS land of development, you can see that's definitely being a huge uptick. It looks like it's being used pretty popularly. So you can also, on the left, you can actually look at uh, like JavaScript frameworks and a couple other things. But I noticed the thing that they do is they change the scale on the charts. So you really can't get an idea. Like if I go to Ionic, um, it's this like sharp increase, but the numbers are still like an order of magnitude lower than Angular. Um, so I'm not quite sure if that if that chart is that useful to me. It's I don't re- know. <laughs> it's really useful for just comparing whatever's on the chart at that yeah. point. So this is, we'll just leave this as an exercise to the to the listeners <laughs> to go out there and, and figure out what kind of useful insights you can get out of that. Uh, okay, 10 great ways to impress a software engineer on their first day. So, you know, w- the thing that I thought was kind of interesting about this is, uh, you know, comparing it to experiences that I've had. Um, I don't know if you remember, Jason, but when you hired me many, many years ago, Mm-hmm. Uh, when I showed up to work that day, I had a laptop, an iPad, an iPhone already provisioned and ready to go with the, you know, the dev equipment there. Yeah. And that was huge. It made quite an impression on me. And that's the first recommendation right there. You know, have that stuff ready to go. Have uh, documentation on how to get get going. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and even down to the end where invite them out to lunch. I mean, yep. they're not going to know people. Uh, if they're an introvert, they're really not going to reach out like, Hey, can I go to lunch with you? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of little things that you can do that don't take a whole lot of time that can really make that transition easy for a person on their first day of work. Yeah. And I'm always a strong believer in that, you know, a manager is actually there for the people that report to them. So, you know, like I have a, I have an intern that's actually starting on Monday um, and I'm actually going to be out on Monday, so that'll be a great experience. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm, I'm working, I'm setting some people up to, to help him, but I knew he was going to be in town this evening. He's getting into town this evening. So I said, Hey, let me take you out to dinner. So at least I can, you know, welcome him. And, and I gave him my cell phone number. I'm like, call me anytime. You know, you gotta, you gotta remove friction from this. Uh, because yeah, you definitely want them to have a, a good first impression. And, you know, it's like, Stressful situations, lower productivity. So just make them feel at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else we want to say on that? Should we move on? Yeah, I think we should move on. Okay, well, let's get to the good stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about Action Center in the cloud. So I guess first we should define what it is. And 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 for me, um, you know, I we saw this demo uh, at Build, which was really cool, being able to synchronize notifications across devices, which I am super, super, super excited for. Um, so yeah, just let's just back up. What is Action Center in the cloud? Yeah, so Action Center in the cloud was, uh, you know, a, a big internal thing. You know, obviously us at Microsoft, and you know, I've been at Windows well for almost three years now. When I joined uh, on Windows Phone, mm-hmm. and the obvious question that was, you know, it's it's not like this is a new idea or even a super no. uh, unique idea. It's like, well, I'm getting I'm getting all this email. <laughs> I'm getting the same email on both my devices, and I have to swipe it away here, and you swipe it away there. And I don't think anyone has been super impressed by the notification space um, in the industry. I think you know notifications have gotten richer like we you know with windows 10 we've announced um with the new the new update the anniversary update that you know toast can be very visual we have up to you know five actions you can send a lot of toast but 
that doesn't always help you when you have all these devices. You know, a, a thing we like to talk about on our team is you add another device that a lot of times adds more complication to your life or complexity to your life than necessarily like simplifies it. Um, so this was a step we wanted to take such that you see a notification once and that's it. And you either act on it or you don't. Mm -hmm. um, and by notification, we use that term generally. Like we're, I'm really saying a message, some piece of information you got. Um, so when we set out to build Action Center in the cloud and, and tackle that, uh, we set a couple stakes in the ground. One was that it had to be cross-platform so that if you have a PC user, a big effort for, for this release was to make the Action Center really great. So with the with the uh, anniversary update, notifications are a ton better. Cortana's surfacing a ton of stuff in there, um, including uh, Action Center in the cloud. So the, the whole scenario is though, you get a notification on your phone, we will forward it to your PC. This this whole scenario is your your mobile device, your more connected device, which typically gets more notifications. Yep. Sending things to your PC because that's your more powerful device. You know, if you're sitting in it, uh, and me, I personally, you know, have my phone docked uh, on the wireless charger. I don't. I see the little blue light blinking, and you know, I I, I can I can act on my PC uh, easier and quicker and triage these things. So we have. Full quick reply. So if the toast had a, a quick reply, you can take actions on it. Um, obviously, informational ones. But the key thing is, you know, once I swipe it away because I'm done with it, it disappears from the originating device. So that mm -hmm. that takes place on Windows Phone and Android. Um, we can't do iOS yet because we don't have access to their notification APIs. Um, so that's, I'm a, bit in, of a, I'm in that's shock. a bit of a bummer. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, we've, Apple tried, wouldn't do that. We, we've tried a couple things to, to work around it because obviously their smart accessories work like they're, they're well, they're their one accessory. Um, yeah, obviously shows notifications. Um, mm. It goes over Bluetooth to do that. And those are strictly Bluetooth APIs. So we're we're trying to maybe find some creative ways to, to get okay. around this. But yeah, for right now, it's Android and Windows Phone and your Windows 10 PC running the anniversary update. Um, you know, the demo we showed at Build, uh, I don't know if you guys plan on, you know, linking to that. People can see it in action. Um, but, you know, it, it's nice. You get the full fidelity of that notification on your PC, you yeah. know, incredibly rich stuff. And, and you can just act on it once versus a bunch of times. Yeah, because the user is what's important in the notification. It's not the notification that's, right. that's important. That's exactly it, right. Yeah, so just spamming it everywhere is just a, a horrible way of doing it. I mean, imagine if, like, you had a smart home and like every device, you know, your, your microwave, your refrigerator, like all of those were like blinking, like, with, Oh, that's with this the world we're heading to. Yeah, I know. And you just <laughs> walk around and you swipe everything. So yep. is this, um, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Bluetooth for a, a specialized scenario. So is this always using basically an internet connection to, to do the synchronization? Yes. For, for right now. So the technology is built on this thing we're, we're building to try and help this whole, uh, get a message to a user, build out a user's graph. We, we have this service called the activity feed service. And that is the whole concept is I'm sending a notification to a user. And right now that user is organized by their MSA, their Microsoft account. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how this feature is automatically connected. So when you get the the new update and you, and by the way, I should add, so on Android, um, the experience powering it is the Cortana app. So you would install the Cortana app on your Android phone turn on notification mirroring, and then they would just show up on oh, your okay. PC okay. because you've logged in with the same MSA. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, you know, like how you actually yeah. get it. That makes sense. Yeah, so Cortana will take care of sending the notifications uh, to your PC. So that's kind of the the breadth of it. Um, you know, we have some nice things for app developers such that, uh, like take Vi uh, Viber, for example. Viber has a, a Windows app that not a lot of people know exists. 
um, but they have it on their Windows phone or even their Android phone. And when we mirror a notification to your PC, say it came, let's use Android in this case, we know that that app is in the store. So we actually add a git install link on the toast to help users that are on a PC, like, hey, this app is actually on your PC if you want to make that easier. Oh, so, that's cool. So developers get some get some in, get some help there in discovery, you know, in their PC apps. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think and that's that, really that huge for developers, especially uh, for those that have it on both phone and PC. That's just, uh, you know, yeah. a way to get people on a different platform than might not otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So is there anything special I, as a dev, have to do with this feature at all? It sounds like you guys have pretty much done everything for us. Yeah, so there's a couple of ways I can pivot on this. So the Action Center in the Cloud feature is a is a user feature, an end user feature, and it is pretty much it is on by default. Um, you have the option to mute notifications. So um, let's say you have the Facebook app on your phone and the Facebook app on your PC. You don't want to see that native Facebook notification and the mirrored one at the same time, right? That would be redundant. Right. You want the native one to win. So you can mute notifications you don't care about. You just right click on them and say, turn off notifications for this mobile app. And that basically silences it. So you won't, you won't see those. Um, but as a dev, you have a couple things. And one, one is actually a pivot on this feature. It's a, well, it's a whole new feature. Um, but the first thing on Action Center in the cloud is, is to disable it. And you can disable it at three levels. The app can disable mirroring by setting a, a global flag, just a simple property in their app. And you can also disable mirroring on a per notification basis. So say you're, um, you know, an example that you might want to do that is if you're a, a banking app and you just don't, you don't think this, this information should be roamed, you can turn it off, right. which is, you know, we, we need to have that. Um, but let's say like mail, for example, your mail, your typical mail, you probably want those to mirror. That's nice, you know, if you have if you have a device without a mail client. But you might get a toast that says, "Hey, your your credentials are out of date." That one's really for that device. It doesn't necessarily make sense to roam that. So on the toast itself, you can say, "Hey, on this individual notification, don't mirror this." So there's some toggles that developers have to control the experience, but by default, yeah, it's it's just on by default. Very cool. So what is a what is a chaseable notification? Uh, so a chaseable, uh, when you're talking about chaseable tiles, chaseable is the term we use to deep link into something. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, when you chase a toast, what we're saying, you know, usually go into like that message or that email, yep. you know, whatever it was. We added that feature in RS1, uh, sorry, in the in the upcoming... <laughs> <laughs> anniversary <laughs> update. Co codename leak um, <laughs> in the anniversary update, uh, where you can do the same thing on your live tile. So this has been a scenario we've had forever where, you know, you see a story uh, in the news app, for example, it flips through oh, yeah. and, and you want to be able to see what's on that tile. You want to chase into that content. So now developers can do that uh, by simply adding an arguments. It's, it's very similar to the way you send a toast notification. You just add some arguments to the XML payload, to the payload, and then you add that to your tile. And then when your, act, when your app is activated, you can extract those arguments and build whatever experience you want. For example, Forward Navigate, uh, a lot of apps might, like the Photos app, for example, you know, they're showing... Yeah, they're showing a specific photo. They're showing like nine different photos, yeah. for example. They may not want to forward navigate you, but they may want to have a section in their app called as seen on tile or something where you can show oh, okay. a grid of your tile one. So yeah. they can build the experience they want, but they get up to the date information of what the user has actually seen on the live tile, okay. which is, which is pretty nice. Cool. Yeah. 
So we hope that'll make chaseable tiles uh, a little better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, once again, going back to the dev aspect, what kind of information do I get as, as a developer to respond to these contextual app launches? Uh, you basically get what you, you get out what you put in. Um, so when you send a notification, you have this arguments property and it's a string. A lot of people, if you have a complicated string, you, you, you serialize it to JSON. And then when you get it out, you literally just read that arguments property. So, you know, it's usually like the article ID or some page within your app that whatever you need to get out of that notification. Because a lot of times the, the reason this is kind of important is because a lot of people send these notifications directly to their from their server. Right. So the notification is crafted. The tile, the live tile is crafted on the server and it's sending down these stories. But the client, the app, the Windows app doesn't necessarily have access to that. So you get the app launch. You can pull out what the server had sent in that uh, in, the, in that arguments and then do the right thing. So it's really just a string. OK. Yeah. You get a list of the last five rather more specifically. So if you turn on the queue where the tile is flipping between things, you get access to all five of those. OK. Infragistics, Ultimate UX and UI tools, and Enterprise Mobility Solutions, SharePlus and Report Plus, enable high-performance apps on any device, faster data insights, simplified collaboration, and market-leading security, all backed by comprehensive support. With Infragistics' Ultimate UX and UI Development Toolkit, you can ensure mission-critical applications delivering a superior user experience on the desktop, web, and native device environments for iOS and Android. With the latest BI tools, while your users with dashboards providing the data insights that they need when and where they need it, all at a low total cost of ownership. Try it today. Download a free trial at infragistics.com and follow them for the latest updates in UX and UI development, reporting, and collaboration at Infragistics on Twitter. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you will get a free copy of Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Toolset. Yeah, so if you have a live tile and a notification comes in that kind of invalidates that information on there, how do I oh, keep I those two pieces of information in sync? We have a concept of tagging. So effectively, with tiles and toasts, uh, you can tag notifications with some piece of data and then you can replace that tag. You can you can use that tag to basically it's it's almost like an ID almost. Um, but you would usually use tags to associate those things together. Um, one of the things I showed at build was this this which is nice because it works on everywhere uh, in our notifications extensions library, which is just which is just a set of helpers. I shipped this thing called notification mate, which helps developers easily a, a super common scenario, right? You have a couple toast notifications in Action Center and you want to have a live tile with that same thing. And also, you know, the badge count, that little number on your tile. If, if I have three things in, in my Action Center, I would like a nice three on my live tile. Right. So, you know, I can see that and the things in there. Um, we wanted to solve that, a way of associating your tile and your toasts. And uh, if you check out that notifications extensions library, uh, it's currently in a branch right now because we're still testing it. Uh, one line of code, you say notification mate sync tile with action center, and we will automatically keep your live tile in sync with your toast notifications. So as a developer, all you ever have to send is toast, the live tile, the badge count will automatically be kept in sync. 
Um, that I think is a, a huge step forward for uh, helping developers do what was previously a very manual task using those using things I just mentioned like tags and stuff. Well, and okay. and not only that, but I think the other thing that's really cool is you could get a notification right after like a live tile updated, and this will keep mm-hmm. it in sync in in very close sync uh, sync in sync very closely in time instead of having yeah, to wait that half hour or whatever that time is set for your next update. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, we, yeah, we think, you know, it's typically within under a second, the, the, the things are in sync. Um, you know, you swipe away the toast notifications. We also automatically update the badge. If you swipe away one, we'll decrement it. If you swipe away all of them, we turn it to zero. So your tile is literally an exact representation of, of what happens to be an action center all, all for, you know, one line of code. That's awesome. So, you know, is there anything else new with like the notifications? I think you showed off something else in Action Center about how to display new things in the Action yeah, Center. Yeah, well, there's there's two really cool things that we're, we're really excited to announce with notifications. One uh, is an API very near and dear to me because uh, I have been... Uh, you know, experimenting with Android a lot more, and and it's a it's a super flexible operating system. I think everyone obviously knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the pieces that that uh, they have is this thing called a uh, the notification listener service, and it lets any app read and manage your notifications. It's typically how Android Wear is built, but you can do a whole bunch of other things. In fact, that's how we uh, Cortana on Android sends your notifications to your PC. Yeah, I was going to ask too, like, does the band get them through that as well? Uh, not today. Okay. So we used to have a mobile-only API, so it only worked on Windows Windows phone, Yeah, that would let you access notifications. Oh, I was thinking we, on we, Android. Is oh, it? on Android, yes. Okay. Yes, that okay. is exactly how they do it. Yep. Perfect. And so on Windows now, we have the same, uh, the same feature. So any app can declare a capability called the user notification listener, and they can do any kind of they can add services to your notifications uh, one of the demos i showed um at my build talk was this app called hue and me and i added people to my inner circle so i added my boss and this is actually if i if i had it running right now i could move my camera over to it so anytime he emails me or whatsapps me or text messages me yeah. whatever anytime a notification contains his name thomas fennel uh, <laughs> a, a, a big bright hue light behind my monitor pulses <laughs> so you know it's like a kind of silly example but you know he should set up like an automated rule to do that like every five minutes just to mess with you <laughs> yeah yeah but you know it's it's nice so the light blinks and then as soon as you dismiss the notification it stops and that's all built on this notification listener so we think people can do some kind of compelling things with this api it, it you know it's the thing I fought really hard on is it's a it's a public capability. You don't need to email the store and ask for permission. The user obviously gets prompted like, "Hey, you know, your this app is requesting access to your notifications." Mm-hmm. Um, the other cool thing, completely unrelated, is a scenario we're really excited about. Like, take uh, take Facebook for example, who has uh, a Windows Phone app, an Android app, and a Windows PC app. So they pop notifications, right? Mm-hmm. Someone, you know, Carl liked your photo. I get three notifications, right? My Windows yep. phone, my Android, my PC. They Facebook, you know, I'm 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 using them as an example through I'm not picking them any for any reason other mm-hmm. than it's you know, everyone understands it. Um, they're not going to use mirroring, right? The new feature we just built, where if you dismiss it once, it dismisses everywhere because they they're on everything, right? Facebook's typically on everything, so they have their own infrastructure. What we can do that's similar to mirroring 
is you can tag your notifications with this remote ID. It's basically an ID that is shared across all these things. So you have your native app on Windows, your native app on Windows Phone, and your native app on Android. You can put an extra piece of data in there. When you swipe one away, using that same activity feed service we have, because we know your device graph, mm -hmm. we will dismiss that notification for you. So you read it once, dismiss it, and they all go away, even though they're three completely separate native notifications. Oh, that's awesome. So, so all a developer has to do is add that single field in the Toast notification object called the remote ID. Mm. And then... It, you know, it's great for so you sort of coalesce them and yeah, remove them. It, it, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we do. So it's a great facility if you're if you have an app experience on the PC and a mobile phone, and you want you know you want your users to only have to see a notification once. That's awesome. So that's I think all of it. It's been a little bit of a, a bit of a busy year, but you know. <laughs> No, it's no, all, no. It's all coming out. It's all coming out very soon too. The mirroring, uh, the notification mirroring, and all that stuff should be hitting insiders um, pretty shortly. So we're okay. hoping to get some feedback from people. But like the big bunch of functionality then is going to be the anniversary update coming in. I, it's like middle of the year, so I don't know what the. Yeah, it'll all be officially released in the anniversary update, but we are flighting it to insiders before that. Yeah. So if you're on the fast ring insider, you will get access to some of this stuff as it comes out. We'll be doing blog posts on our team. Um, to highlight some of the features, get people testing out the listener and, you know, getting some feedback. Very cool. Man, this this plus Bash, I'm just, it's just so <laughs> Oh incredible. man, Bash has, been, <laughs> Bash has been fun for me. I am, I am loving the Bash stuff. I just yeah. redid my whole blog on just Jekyll and GitHub because I wanted to play with uh, the, I just wanted to play with Bash. Yeah. It's been fun. Oh man, that is, that is so cool. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I have to, you know, congratulate you and your team on in particular is uh, how awesome your build is. Uh, announcements are year to year. I mean, it, it's always amazing how all of the press is assembled for your speech and your boss's speech <laughs> every year. So um, you guys do a really great job at that. And as a note, we have, we're going to have links in the show notes to their um, presentations that they did at build this year. Uh, They're Carl really keeps good. vanishing. Oh, okay. I thought that was his. No, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's Carl. Yeah, Carl, well, you keep disappearing every few seconds and you're, you know, you turned all uh, Cylon-y there. So. <laughs> uh, well, basically, I was just me mentioning how awesome you guys do at Build every year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Um, we, we definitely... We definitely spent a significant chunk of our of our time prepping on that. Uh, and, and I'm glad to hear that it, it seems to show. Yeah. Was there anything else that we uh, didn't cover you can think of? Did we cover everything you wanted to cover, Matt? Uh, for me, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, we have a ton of stuff and notifications excited for people to check it out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, figure yeah. out how to hack it into iPhone as well. That'll be cool. I know. We're on <laughs> it. <laughs> we are on yeah. it. Yeah. Actually, so yeah, one thing I did want to mention, uh, Paul Therat actually had a blog post talking about that. He said if you know, if you're a Windows user and yeah. you're, you know, trying to figure out what kind of smartphone you want and you you're not going the Windows phone route, he said Android is your best bet because of this feature. Yeah, yeah, I saw that article. That was cool to see. Um, you know, it's yeah, I I personally, you know, I, I have hacker tendencies and and I'm a kind of lifelong fidgeter, so so I prefer Android. Um, but you know, it certainly lets us enable some cool scenarios, especially especially if interop and you know you're you're embracing this new world where things interop. You know, we were just talking yeah. about VSTS connecting yeah. to GitHub source, like, you know. That seems to be the way of the world. Um, Apple has gotten the memo less, I think, than than everyone else. Yeah. So that's personally why you know I'm leaning. No, in. it's it's a good strategy, and I, I I sort of have to drill into people's heads. I mean, we had 
I had a couple partner meetings uh, over the past couple days, and you know we had people from different product teams. They were talking about you know unreleased products, and and there were there were two instances where the the partner slash customer said, uh, "How are you guys going to make money on this?" You know because there doesn't appear to be any way to actually make money on it. And yeah, and the reality is like you know it, it's it doesn't have to be like this direct thing where you say. I have product X, please buy product X from me. It is mm-hmm. about being open and and having things work together well. And it seems mm-hmm. like everything else just falls in the line after that. You know, so yep. the the notifications, just having this stuff work well get gets you more followers. You know, people people will be happier and they'll buy into the ecosystem and, and that's that's yep. the way that the world works these days. So Yep, definitely seems like it's going that way. Yep. Uh okay, so we have no picks of the week, apparently. <laughs> Um, I see nothing in the notes and I have horrible, horrible no- news and we're going to get, uh, we're going to get a whole bunch of hate mail, but the question of the week game, I have, uh, it's, it's in a totally different state. It's across the country. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe I should have like searched the internet. Maybe there's like some, some questions out there. Let me, let me search for like difficult question <laughs> question. And then we'll ask, uh, we'll ask Matt, whatever, whatever shows up first. Here we go. 54 difficult questions. Um, wow, these are, (laughs) oh, these are really crazy. Why does music written in a minor key sound sad or downbeat while music in a major key sounds happy or upbeat? (laughs) Wow, I got nothing. (laughs) Okay, this is just a horrible week for the question. So I apologize to all of our (laughs) listeners. (laughs) We'll pretend like that just didn't happen. Okay, Matt, so where can people find you? Uh, So you can find me on Twitter at Matt Heidinger. Uh, you know, I always like to spell it out, I guess. It's the word hiding with an ER. Um, I have a fresh new uh, website at mattheidinger.com that I finally, you know, made my blog responsive, you know, it <laughs> took forever. Um, so, yeah, Twitter and the web and, and I'll be around there. Okay. While I'm, while I'm viewing the site, do notifications pop up? They they will. No, no, <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. And Carl, where yeah. can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. Okay, and you can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So, Matt, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about this. This is such a cool feature that I'm really looking forward to. Cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. 